We can't go loud tonight, Nathan, because I don't have my microphone. I don't have any of my audio equipment, so I can't wild out. Uh, but don't let that be any indication of how excited I am to uh, have the folks that we have on tonight. So good evening, everybody. Welcome to Calling All Beings, uh, the micless DJ, glasses-less DJ, uh, cool shirt-less DJ. Uh, happy to be here as your host, along with uh, the co-creator, technical director and executive producer of this joint monet nathan the ai artist <laughs> what's up everybody hey man uh any dj is better than no dj so we are glad to have you with us i'm excited for this show really want to get into a good conversation and i think we've got some excellent guests so it's going to be a good one i'm feeling feeling good about it yeah, and so since I sound terrible, you know, Nathan will drive the bus tonight, man. All right, so I'm going to hand over the keys. I just had a uh, a couple of pints of lager, so, uh, <laughs> so here you go. Uh, but you know what? Speaking of uh, counselors and people that, that need help with their mental state of being, um, that's me. And uh, <laughs> luckily, we have <laughs> Debs at a study of UAPs. Good evening, ma'am. Hello, everybody. I think that's everybody, DJ. I think I personally would like to also have a therapist. I think we could all benefit from it. Amen. Yes. Yep. Yes, most certainly. I'll call you later. Um, so <laughs> um, so let's see. Uh, so what's up, man? I just just uh, in the chat. Jules, uh, thank you for being here. It looks like Dave probably did have to work. Uh, Dave Scott. So but he. <laughs> Thank you, Jules. Um, so Dave will let us know um, if he can uh, if he can get here tonight. He'll he'll jump in. He has all the links, but he did have to go to his his day job, a real job. Uh, also, Anani T is in the house. Thank you so much for coming and hanging with us all the time. We appreciate you. Um, and now, without further ado, as Doctor Evil would say, uh, let's bring on um, this sister right here. Um, she is an author, uh, her latest book, The Chosen. And guess what, money? She done rubbed elbows with B. Fugle and his wife out there in Utah. Um, she got some Native American blood running through these veins. She wants to go to skin. She's waiting for that invitation to Skinwalker. And mm-hmm. if I were a betting man, I'd say she's going to get it. Put your hands together for Miss Cheryl Lynn Carter. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, man. Your hair is looking great. Those gates. <laughs> What's that? I don't know how to get inside those gates. <laughs> oh, not yet. But I mean, you know what? I think you'll get that invite, man. I think you're going to be out there. You know what I'm saying? You and Jonathan Dover need to, he needs it. You need to tag along with John Dover and Stan Milbrook on their next trip out there. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so next, we want to bring up. Um, our friend, uh, since the very beginning of Cab, one of our very first guests, we said uh, Nathan and I were like, want to bring on an experiencer. And uh, this brother was like, yo, I'll come on with you two knuckleheads. I don't know who you are, but I'm going to come on. <laughs> uh, and, and it was a pleasure to meet this man down in Gulf Shores. 
Um, he's got a lot of interesting uh, things to say. He's an advocate for disclosure, a multiple time experiencer with the phenomenon is, which is everybody on this panel. Put your hands together for brother David John Lanier. Sexy beast. Yes. Yes. Good evening. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, my Chrome Dome brother. Um, since you and I didn't want to feel too lonely, uh, we wanted to get on somebody else who was hair challenged. Uh, and this is my friend, uh, former um, U.S. military. I think he was U.S. Army or U.S. Air Force. He's gonna he's gonna tell us. I've had several conversations with him on the phone. We've been wanting to do this, and thank goodness. Um, he agreed to come on and was like, yo, where are you at, man? I thought we were finna do this. Well, we're doing it tonight. So everybody, this man is an experience as well, but everybody please welcome my man, Jim, the alien pickle. Hey guys. You've got a great personality and a great sense of humor about all this stuff as well. And, um, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> he's funny. He has a great personality. Last time we talked, I was driving through Alabama. We were, we were talking really a hundred percent Bigfoot, and we got cut off by no cell signal. So thank you, Jim, for spending that time yep. with me. Did, um, did you ever get around to watching that Minerva Monster movie that I sent you the link to? N- oh no, I haven't. But th- is that Ohio? Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I I don't think I've seen that, but I will. I will check it. I think that's a uh, Seth. I'm trying to remember the name of that Ohio filmmaker, but I, I know I know the that filmmaker that you're talking about. He's a beast too, man. That dude has got no fear, man. Going yeah, in the that, woods with cryptids and well, there's the the girl whose name also I can't remember, um, but she she was with the uh, uh, what what was that? It was like Small Town Monsters film yes. production company, right? And she actually moved to Minerva. Because it's a nice place. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know what? Uh, let me check with the real estate prices there. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of, right. it's kind of a one horse town, but the horse died, and they could only afford a donkey. And, yeah, the the horse was surgically, and all the blood was removed, and and uh, the jawbone for some reason. Oh, don't make it creepy, man. <laughs> all right, let me <laughs> let me turn this over to the capable hands of Monday Nathan. Awesome. So it's really great to have you guys with us. Um, I really appreciate all of y'all's time. And we've got about an hour and a half. I want to make sure we've got time to get through a little bit of each of your experiences. But my main goal is to kind of step out of the way. I want to make sure that you have a chance to have a good conversation, ask each other questions. We're certainly going to come back in with some questions of our own. But I'm just eager to hear from all of you. Um, David, I I hate to pick on folks. I want to ask you to go first because you've been on the show before. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, um, I'd love to hear just our audience as well. Some people have never heard your, your episode with us, but just give us a, maybe a couple minutes of your experiences. I know we're going to get into some of the details later in the show, but kind of tee that up for us before. And then after you, I'd like to hear from, um, from Cheryl and then we'll go to Jim. Okay. I I know that you and DJ and Deb have all heard my spiel. Um, but essentially my, grandmother on my mother's side had experiences with poltergeist. My mother had experiences with what people would refer to as like shadow beings, um, short and what looked like a man showed up twice around the time she was having those experiences. I was a teenager and saw a very large, uh, blimp shaped UFO. Um, 
fast forward, oh gosh, how long was it? 10 years, fast forward 10 years from that sighting. And then I had um, orbs come very close to me, to the house. And it was like a procession. And that led to craft, like physical, tangible craft uh, at, you know, within a hundred feet, some within 50 feet, uh, right over me, right over the house, right over the property. Uh, And then that led to beings, uh, which were, I guess what people would refer to as the tall and short grays. Um, And then there was also some of the glowing red eye beings um, and glowing orange eye beings. And some of it was like astral and some of it was very physical and present in, in the space. And it affected uh, my wife and my children and my daughter that was in utero at the time. Um, And that's the, sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. And I have a question for you just real quick though. Um, your mother's experiences, what, what kind of time frame was that? What decade was that? Do you, do you happen to know? Uh, I think the initial one, she would have been 19. Uh, I can't do the math off the top of my head. That would have been like, you know, somewhere sixties in the sixties mm-hmm. from mid sixties, late sixties, somewhere in there. Uh, and then later in life, it would have been in the mid to late nineties. Okay. So 95, 96, 97, around that time. And do you have any siblings? Yes, I have a sister. Okay. Has she had any experiences like, like yours? or? No, she's not very open, but she's deeply spiritual and, and finds – she has a real deep connection, she says, with uh, God and with uh, signs. Hmm. Uh, she can ask for signs and receives signs real easily, she says but no aliens to my knowledge. Okay, cool. Nathan, I'm concerned about that drainage pipe. Are you expecting, David, are you expecting any rain in Alabama tonight <laughs> just for your safety? Uh, no. Okay, all right, good. Then you're, I, I think you're safe. It's pretty good audio inside there. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nathan. That's fantastic. All right, so David, thank you very much. We're going to come back to you in just a moment. So Cheryl, I want to put you up front here and uh if you could just kind of do the same tell us a little about your experiences um i'm out in the woods right now so i can see that yeah it's a beautiful <laughs> any, any tree knocking let me know <laughs> <laughs> well i'm a psychic medium remote viewer and i've started seeing spirits and all kinds of strange things since i was four years old and I guess the first time I, I saw a UFO, I was just driving down our street in our town in, at two o'clock in the afternoon, and the sky was just a clear blue sky. There weren't any clouds, and all of a sudden, the sky just tore open, if you want to call it a portal of such, and this silver disc-shaped craft came out with a dome-shaped top. Now, I don't know if it had any lights because it was daytime, and it, it just kind of hovered there and there was no sound and everything around me just stopped like nothing was moving and I couldn't take my eyes off this and I, I don't know if anybody else saw it or maybe I was the only one that was supposed to saw it or wasn't supposed to see it and about 15 minutes later it just went back into that hole and the sky just sealed up and then everything started moving again so that was a crazy I, I also um, do lots of um, sky watching. We have a little CE5 group. And we try to use the singing bowls because the vibration 
attracts, I'm not sure if it's things from the sky, but we're out by the woods and it attracts things from the woods. Hmm. You know, who, who knows where anything lives? But we're all looking in the sky. Is it in the woods? Is it is in the water. Is it in another dimension next to us? But whatever it was, we, we attract things that, that come out of those woods. And I've just got this really crazy picture of something that looks like an alien baby. Hmm. It's my one of my favorite pictures that I got that night. Wow. But we, we get them from the singing bulls. Ooh, that's fascinating. And how big how big is the group that uh, you do the CE5 with? Hmm? How big is the CE5 group that you... We usually do like 20. We don't want too big. Sure. Because you, you got to have good energy. You start getting too many people and they're sitting there talking and stuff. And that's not what you do. And, and Cheryl, like your experiences uh, over time, how's that kind of changed for you? Like what was your initial experience? Sound like that was kind of shocking. Have, how have you adjusted to having that and having these ongoing experiences? I, I don't know if that was shocking. I just wasn't expecting to see it's the sky. Unexpected, yeah. You know, if I, if I would have just seen it in the sky, that would have been one thing. But to have the sky rip open, mm. that, that was strange. No, I'm just, you know, so, so I said, since I'm a psychic medium and I've just seen this stuff all my life and I'm a paranormal investigator and nothing really bothers me. Hmm. It's just Ooh. interesting. I'll go, that's pretty cool, you know. She's the nice. triple, man. Big, like Bigfoot, paranormal and UFOs. I mean, you got to love that, man. You're the trifecta. Well, yeah. You're like us on the show, you know, so. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's fantastic, Cheryl. All right, so let's uh, we're going to put you back on the side here, and then I want to hear from Jim. So, Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about your experiences. Yeah, well, like Cheryl, I started out as a medium, but now I'm like a 2XL. <laughs> um, that's my line, Jim. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, uh, er everything was fairly normal for me until in uh, it was 1996, and I woke up and one of those tall gray guys was in the room and it uh you know took me a minute to comprehend that um and then he wanted to talk right so then that went on for about 30 minutes and there's a lot of content there so like i can touch that a little bit but maybe another day or whatever it's up it's up on my website alienpickle.com um but anyway so Talked to him, went to sleep because they knock you back out. And then I woke up again and it was four o'clock in the morning. And I don't even remember getting out of bed. I'm just aware that I'm running down the hallway. And I ran into the computer room and my roommate was on the computer on AOL. So they had the phone tied up. And I, j I wasn't even thinking about what I was doing, right? This is just autopilot. I ran in the room, grabbed the phone line out of the back of the computer. And they look at me like, you know, what's going on? And then I reached up and the phone was on the shelf there. And as my hand hit the receiver on the phone, it started ringing. And that was my mom. And there was problems with grandpa and, you know, meet us at the hospital kind of thing. So it, it was like those two things like bookended, right? And it was like, well, everybody remembers the thing with the phone that was there. So that kind of makes the thing that happened before it undeniable. And um part part of the conversation though was uh in talking with him it was like well you remember when you volunteered for this and i couldn't really remember until he said that i could and then it was like oh yeah i remember because i was six and it, you know like middle of the night out in the backyard and you guys came with the big 
chrome disc, right? Like like Cheryl was saying, you know, chrome disc with a bubble top thing. I didn't see the top because I was under it, but um, and then I I just like got that memory back, and it was like, oh, okay, and that explained why. Because I remembered when I was a kid, mom woke me up for school in the morning, and she was making the bed, and I re and I remembered like she was fussing about, well, how the heck did I get leaves in the bed, hmm. you know? And while well, that explains, because I was out barefoot in the middle of the night in the backyard. Um, so, yeah, so that went on. And it up till then, it was all tangible things. So I was 100% nuts and bolts. And anybody brought up any kind of woo, I kind of gave them the stink eye. Um, <laughs> and but from uh, in 2016, the the end of the conversation was, you know, we've been doing this thing with you up till now where you know the agreement was we're going to come and just like keep an eye on you right and you know like pull memories out of your head look at just how you're progressing right and then you forget you're unaware that we're here and then we'll be back when we're back and now we would like to change that to say well let's see how you digest a a, a disclosure scenario where tomorrow when you wake up, you can remember this. And then we'll visit and see how that has fit in with your life. Did it cause you trouble? How long did it take to integrate? Whatever, you know, if, if you agree to that. And of course, I'm, I'm in the moment, because when you're in the moment with that, then you know what's going on. And, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm not going back to sleep on this. No way. If I have an option, absolutely. And he said, well, be careful what you choose because it'll be very disruptive. And and it was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, let's go. Because there's no way that you're going to take this away from me, you know, because I like I'm going to go back to sleep and, and never know about this. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't know if that was the wisest choice that I ever made because, boy, it was disruptive. I slept with the lights on for about a decade and it, it was non-traumatic, right? I mean, there was there's been no physical uh aspect to this you know it's all conversation at least as far as i'm allowed to recall um so it's just uh yeah i don't know it, but it was still just the just the knowledge that it was going on and could at any time you know it's like you're laying there you roll over and they're there right and that's enough for me to sleep with the light on for about a decade <laughs> just to, because i just didn't want to roll over that that was the fear was just like i turn over and there you are, right? Mm -hmm. And that initial shock is not good. And then in the they dark, do it. Yeah. yeah. And then they do a thing where you feel like completely content, right? And mm -hmm. and it's just like, you know, you, you could like pull my fingernails off while that's going on and I would be completely okay with it, you know. Um, I whatever mental trick that is. But then uh from ninety six until last year, nothing. And then in uh, 22 in July, right in the middle of the workday, because I'm working from home, and I I had there was like a weird noise in the house. I ran around the house looking for what the, what the heck is that, and then I thought, well, am I having a stroke or what? And then I went to lay down, just hoping that it would pass. And as soon as I got on the bed, I felt that feeling that that like uh, blanket of contentment thing that's hugely artificial, and I hadn't felt it for 25 years, but when it hit me, I knew exactly what it was. And I was just like, oh, are you shitting me? We're going to do this now? 
and I was out and that that's a whole nother encounter though. But that, that was not them coming physically into the house or me going outside. That was more like a lucid dream, but they explained a lot in there and that kind of opens, that opens a lot of potential for how they interact with people. If they can project because, because basically they're using your brain as, as a movie screen and they can project a dream in there and then interact with you in that. And I was, I was immediately hugely aware that it was an artificial thing. It's like a holodeck, right? From Star Trek, except that you're in like this dream thing and it's, and it feels dreamy and it's like, Oh, what's going on. And then the gray's standing there and it's like, Oh, it's you. Okay. What's going on? <laughs> you know, that'd be enough and, to make the most of us like go and check our life insurance policy right away. Yeah. And, and after this, that, that this lasted for about an hour. It was like getting a Ted talk from an alien. You know, and, and it was just it was just like, okay, you know, let's we're we're in this environment, walk with me, let's talk, I'm gonna explain things. You did a pretty good job figuring it out, right? And I, and my immediate question, because I had I had some anger issues because it's like, hey man, you guys set me up twenty five years ago and I haven't heard a damn word since, right? Uh, scramble my reality and then leave me dangle. Right? Why so long? And we got into that, and there was reasons. Uh, mostly my fault, actually, turns out. Um, but yeah, so that it's because so you had do not disturb on your <laughs> like no. got that little magnet on your door, right? No, it was, they... it was mainly the pace at which I was figuring things out. And when you're doing an experiment of let's see how long it takes this guy to get it, you don't show up and nudge him, right? You actually let him take what they take otherwise it's a tainted experiment right so mm -hmm. so apparently i got close enough and and it was like okay phase phase three you know here's more so that's what i'm currently working through but i don't sleep with the light on anymore <laughs> because of this one this this was a lot easier to deal with mm -hmm. um but it explained a lot of things like uh you know how anjali's story about like she went in the cave and then she she had like an astral abduction thing experience and to me it's like oh no it's this you know i could be wrong but it's it's just like yeah if if you if you're in your body normal and then suddenly you're transposed into a different environment that feels like dreamy whatever it's like oh i know exactly what that is because they demonstrated it and explained what it was while they were doing it because they wanted me to know hmm. and uh yeah. So the the other thing dream wise in there that that he explained was the mechanism by which people forget. So you've, have you seen the movie Memento, right? Where the guy can't yeah. remember anything. Uh, you know, it's like it on his body. On, yeah. Okay. So that's the the separation between your short term memory and your long term. And when you dream at night, the something in your brain disconnects the. Uh, storage into long-term memory of the of the dream things that you experience and otherwise we'd run around all day remembering dreams that we'd had every night like it was reality right so um that would be kind of a mess so our brain has this mechanism by which it cuts that that off and then if you wake up in the middle of a dream you can kind of remember hazily what was going on but then you watch that fade right and then it's like oh yeah seconds ago i was i was thinking about what i was dreaming and how weird it was and now i can't remember what it was and it's gone right so the mechanism that they seem to exploit 
is the very same thing because they can induce that in your brain and then your brain just clicks that switch and it's just like okay we're not committing to long-term memory but you're lucid and aware in the moment and he demonstrated that too you know it was like try to try to recall what we're talking about and i'm going to turn it on and then i tried everything like counting and then i i couldn't remember why i was counting wow <laughs> yeah and uh, and then when he turned it off it, it was it was like oh yeah i get it now and yeah so it's weird so um because i i had struggled for the longest time of how do they do this like they go in they edit our memories you know they delete pieces but they leave stuff you know how how would that work that seems super complicated and and it's just kind of like no it's not really that complicated because they don't retroactively do it. They do it in the moment, and then it's your internal process that's doing it. But much like dreams, if you have a nightmare, you might remember something from that for whatever reason, right? Well, if you have like a traumatic UFO experience or whatever, that's the flashes of memory that people seem to retain. Hey, Jim. And, yeah. Th think of the, cop the cut and paste feature on like Microsoft Word. Like they might cut one of your memories and stick it on the clipboard yeah. and then they can paste it back in. You can imagine that technology evolved over time and how you could probably do that to, to somebody's, yeah. you know, brain well, that, function. Well, that's the, that's the thing that I was trying to figure out was how would that actually work? Because that seems hugely complicated because you'd, you'd have to be aware of their whole memory set. And it, it's just, it's way more complicated than just saying, okay, we're going to turn on your, you know your buffer eraser and and then you just can't store anything well they, they hook the jumper cables up to your <laughs> to your brain all right we no. we gotta we gotta get to uh, the other guests because we want you guys to have yeah. a a dialogue and your other um got um guests and um co-experiences will get to ask you questions and you'll get to ask them questions so nathan take it away brother where are we going yeah i um i want to touch on something i think each of you touched on a little bit that's and that's this intimate connection with whatever this is it um it, there seems to be uh you know jim you kind of talked about almost like a cooperative agreement uh you know what are your thoughts on this life this experience and what you've experienced and what maybe the larger picture is with maybe your i don't know karmic history i'm not sure what the right word is there but do you do you, you have a perspective on that? And, and Cheryl, what do you think about that? Well, I, I do think that the, the things that, that have happened to me, they're like leading me into different directions to, to do more research and to, to learn more things. And like like I, I didn't mention that I when I um, remote viewed to Skinwalker Ranch, something followed me home because, you know, that's what happens, even though I wasn't physically there. And... Um, it was some kind of a beam. I, I saw it had the oblong eyes. So I didn't know. I felt it was alien, but I wasn't quite sure. But I thought it was interdimensional. So, so I'm saying it came from a dimension. And um, they downloaded binary code in my brain, but I don't know what it meant. I feel very honored that I got it. But I don't know what it did to me. It's like. You know, they don't want to tell me what it is. They just go, you, you got it. You got it now. Use it. Hmm. Interesting. And David, what do you think about this uh, kind of connection? This is almost like lineage or uh, intimate connection to it. 
Um, <clears throat> personally, I, um, I know I've heard a lot of people say that there was some sort of like previous life agreement or before the contact happened, there was some kind of like um, communication that occurred that allowed it to happen down the road. Um, and I, some of that occurred with me, you know, once communication started, um, I did get the message or the idea, however that mechanism works, you know, I'm just cutting straight to the chase of like, you know, I'm communicating with these things, um, that I had, uh, a near death experience as, uh, an infant. And they say that that's when they came in to start interacting, but then also down the road, I mean, during the experience, I, I asked, uh, like if I was one of them or if, what's the relation, like why? And the idea, you know, the exact verbiage was, you know, you're not us, but you are a direct descendant of, I don't want to use the term, but it's so weird. Mutated, mutated was the word humans. Um, and as if to say, like, we've been here working and you are the next in line for what we've been doing. And it seemed more like that. It was more like upkeep kind of thing. Um, I'm not against previous life notions. I'm not fully committed to it. I'm aware that the research exists that kind of lends itself to it. Um, but I don't recall any kind of previous life agreements or agreements as a child. It definitely felt like, like just hit me right between the eyes. But they did mention that they had started when I was younger. And then, you know, the reason for all the interaction was because of their, their line of work, like what they had done previously. Mm. And so did you have that sense of familiarity with, with any of the contact? I, I didn't, I, I felt, I, I remember feeling um, there were some things like the white balls of light, like what people refer to as the orbs they would come around and they would give a sense of love and of like, they see me and they understand me and they want to be there for me. But then with the, the smaller grays and the tall gray, it was just very like very business. And then the astral stuff seemed to be like caring and wanted a relation, but I didn't, I didn't get the sense of like, Oh, it's my space brother. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they would refer to me as, as child from time to time, like their child. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, I've asked a few questions that I want to, I know I haven't heard from Deb yet. So Deb, I, I want to see what questions you have for the, for the panel here. Yeah. I was just wondering if anyone was familiar with the concept of epigenetics and heritage with that, how it can be passed down and since you guys spoke about family experiences, um, if anyone had any input on um, the possibility that they think there might have been like a physical reason that you guys were chosen to have these encounters. Jim, you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So I, I, I didn't find these things out in this order because well like with my grandfather he didn't tell this story to anybody until 2007 
or so. But back in the 60s, um, he was building a cabin out at Atwood Lake, close to Minerva, where we talked about before. Um, and he was building a cabin, and he was with his cousin, I think. And they're looking out at the lake, and he could, you know, his cousin's like, wow, the moon really looks full on the lake tonight. And they're looking at that, but he looks up in the sky, and it's like a half moon. And they're trying to figure out why they see a full moon reflected on the lake. And then it came up out of the lake and it was a glow of light. Yeah. So, so it was like, Oh, that's no moon. Um, and then it got, <laughs> it, it got close enough, you know, cause I, I said, okay, well then you, you believe in aliens, right? Cause I was telling him because that phone call came in about him hot on the heels of my encounter, right? Like, you know, a couple hours later. And that was a bit of a phenomena display. The fact that I ran and grabbed that phone on the first ring. So, um, so I was like, well, I guess, I guess you're indirectly involved, right? But but you think that that was an angel or something, and but why? Because now you're telling me that you saw a UFO, and my mom's sitting there, you know, like with her mouth hanging open. And there's reasons for that too. So everybody in the everybody in the family has stories, and nobody tells anybody their stories. So you know, you all think you're you're the only one, and then you find out it's multi generational. Um, but yeah, so he said, uh, no, it got close enough. It gave him a sunburn and he waved at the guy that was in the window and the guy waved back and, you know, he looked human to me. That wasn't an alien. And I'm like, Ooh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, and again, you know, mom with her jaw on the table. Um, so it turned out then mom said, cause she had described a UFO to me as, as a, you know, when I was a teenager, but I never heard the full extent of the story. So it was her and her and grandma in grandma's GTO, grandma's middle of the lead foot back in the day. Whoa, and, uh, okay. And, yeah. So yeah. They're, they're out in the back, you know, the, the gravel back roads of Ohio, and there's a UFO shows up and it starts following the car. So grandma's like, well, we're out of here and puts it to the floor, you know, sideways through the corners and, um, and they're not losing it. And, uh, and that's like the most that I'd heard. Well, the, the part that I didn't hear that then came up right after my grandpa confessed about his thing. Um, and, and I asked him, you know, why, why didn't you ever say anything to anybody? And he was like, well, I thought it was military, right? Because I don't believe in aliens. So it was obviously military. This was 60s Cold War. You, know? <laughs> you don't run your mouth. I was in World War II, you know, loose lips, right? So... And, and then if I had started talking about it, and then we had all, all these nuts that are talking about UFOs, and I didn't want to get, you know, mixed in with that and get a reputation, so I just didn't tell anybody. I was like, oh, okay. You know, makes sense coming from him, right? Church elder kind of guy, right? He, he doesn't want to get accused of lying or whatever, so just keep your mouth shut. Well, with mom, she had never told about how that chase ended because suddenly they were just on the side of the road parked. And they didn't remember, you know, they didn't remember getting away from it, but whatever happened. And I was like, oh, well, where was I? You know, was I with you guys? And she was like, no, I was pregnant with you at the time, you know, about six months mm -hmm. along. And then that kind of like closes a loop, right? So it's like, well, I, I guess I guess I kind of was there. So I wonder what happened whenever you have this missing time. And I wonder if it affected me. And maybe that's why I'm of interest. I, I don't know. Um, but then... Yeah. Also found out I, because they had said something about uh, uh, like a Native American component that was involved. And I had heard that from some other people and, and just like the consistency. I was six years old 
when it started. And I have talked to so many people, and there seems to be like an age four to seven range for first contact when this whole thing initiates. It, it's just almost without fail. Every time I talk to somebody that's an experiencer that's long term, it's always in that age range when it first started for whatever reason. Maybe we're more neuropliable at the time or we can accept it or whatever. But um, but yeah, so it turns out, you know, I'm, I'm at least three generations in. And whenever they said the thing about the Native American deal, it was like nobody in the family believed that. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. They seem to indicate whatever. So my dad went, he was doing some genealogy on his side of the family. And it turns out that uh, it was his great-grandmother was 100% uh, Cherokee. And it, he had to go digging in the in the family tree to find it because it wasn't really talked about in the family. But turns out, you know, so I'm like, what, a uh, 16th, a 32nd Cherokee or something. So it, <laughs> it, was, it was just, you know, it was just weird to, like, be told that and come away from an encounter with an impression, you know, hey, your genetics are such and such. And then, you know, 40 years later, that proves out true. <laughs> so, Yeah. It's, it's it's one of the questions no but no experiencer seems to be able to answer is that why was I chosen thing it's it's the great mystery but but what you alluded to Jim relative to four the, the age four to seven is is going to be the nature of my first question but we ain't done with Deb yet so what else what else you got Deb did you have something else did you want to pass that around to uh, somebody else yeah I just you know I just noticed you know that people were talking about having other kinds of experiences like the remote viewing poltergeist bigfoot and you know i just wonder it what comes first is it the uap encounter or something within us you know that's that was what i was trying to get to it seems like something okay. that's more about the experiencer than what is experienced if that makes sense yeah that does did David get to that one yet? I I do have some thoughts on that. I just I've been taking notes and like my mind immediately went to the discussion we had with John Ramirez and the work that they were doing at the Life Sciences Division and the being from Roswell and the idea of hybridization and that there's genetics that shared allegedly the rumor um, that shared between. Uh, some of these beings and us, are we a product of them? Are they a product of us? And I think you really start getting into the hybrid discussion and you have to kind of start addressing like, did these things make us? You know, uh, that subject kind of gets convoluted, but like, did they come here a long time ago and there was a primitive version of ourselves and they somehow manipulated the genetics to allow a development that was more in line with what they are, you know, and Deb brought up epigenetics and things like that. So I, without going down a wild rabbit hole, I would say that um, I almost wonder if the high neuron density that Gary Nolan talked about and the notion that some of these beings allegedly share some of our genetics, if we were not designed to be able to perceive these things as if like you're coming online more and more and more. Uh, I was having a conversation with Jim actually uh, in that space the other day about 
the, the, the feed of consciousness from source or wherever it's come from, that quantum ethereal realm that everything's connected to, some things have more of that feed than others. I, Nathan has more of that feed than a grasshopper. I have more of that feed than a dog. A dog has more of that feed than on and on and on. And these aliens have more of that feed than we do, but they are giving us slowly kind of opening that valve to let that feed in more and more so that we're more aware until eventually you will end up with a generation of people who are just seeing all of it and experiencing all of it. And I, to Deb's point, I would think it has more to do with the experiencer and whatever the initial contact is with the aliens and the craft and whatever they're doing is kind of opening you up to this paranormal menagerie that's all around us. But that's me speculating. But I, I think that that might have something to do with it. David, I I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this hybrid theory, but Nathan keeps trying to convince me to go all electric. I mean, I, I don't uh, – anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, uh, <laughs> actually we're back to you right nathan are we back to you or uh, yeah, I, I thought that was some really i mean anybody who wants to go next is great because david that was some really i thought valuable insights so, dj what, what do you think uh where, where do you want to go I, i'm sort of really curious to ask uh, each one of our panelists about and then we could you know kind of like open it up so they can ask it'd be interesting to see them ask one another a question so if you have something you've been sitting on for one of the other panelists uh, just tee it up um I'm kind of curious, you know, in this four to seven range or from that first experience, uh, the following day, and I'm, you know, kind of thinking about my own experience, which wasn't anything near what was just a sighting, nothing like what you guys have had, you know, uh, I don't consider myself an experiencer, but did you, did the next day you feel like there was a change? Like, did you get up and go to school? Uh, like, let's start with you, Sherilyn, and, and feel like, um, something was different that day after the first experience something changed definitely and and the the problem was i thought everybody experienced this stuff i thought everybody could do this and then you one day you just find out that you're weird nobody else at school does this stuff and you know, i know I, all these um i said spirits were talking to me but i don't know who was talking to me there were all kinds of strange beings and I, I know for sure that I never slept on the edge of the bed because I know something's going to grab my hand. That I wasn't just kidding. There, there was something in my bedroom every night talking to me, giving me strange messages. And yeah, I, I was just totally different after that. Did they, did people at school make you feel weird or you felt weird? Because when you, I, I didn't talk reaction. about it at school because okay. I never heard anybody talk about that stuff. Okay, that's fair. I did. I could. I I, rem I I remember I was maybe eleven or twelve, and my father worked in the um, in a factory, and he came home about eight o'clock at night, and he never talked about this stuff. And he just walks in the house, and he looks at me, and he says, "Oh, right, right by Ninth Street Park." He goes, "A UFO just landed, and these three little guys came out, and I saw it, and then he just walked in the kitchen to get something to eat, and he never talked about it again." It was the craziest thing. <laughs> yeah, some people just they can't, they just can't, you know, internalize this and and do what what Nathan and Debs and I do and talk about it and just be like, oh, but I can go to work the next day and just be totally normal. They can't I, I don't know compartmentalize that way. That. I don't know why he told me. They just said it and that was it. <laughs> yeah. 
Jim, did, did you feel different the next day? Did you know that something had changed? Well, okay. So when I was six, I was completely clueless, right? The next morning, like I said about, you know, how'd you get leaves in the bed? I don't know, mom, right? So, oh, okay. um, and then for 20 years, if this was ongoing or maybe they just waited 20 years in between, I have no way to know. Um, but 20 years, nothing. And then the night that they showed up in 96, the intent was to leave me with a bomb, right? Of like, okay, let's see, let's see how you process this, right? Now you know that we're real and what we've been doing. Um, so try to live a life, go, good luck, right? Um, the other thing was for after impact on it, they telepathically, they left that switch turned on. So m mom and I went and we did the, uh, the hospital thing with grandpa that next day. And then we left there and we were walking around. It's a local store that's like a Kmart, right? And we're walking along and we're having a conversation and I'm telling her about the stuff from the night before. And, you know, for about 10 minutes, we're walking around and she's like right behind me, I thought. And I get to the end of the aisle and I look down the main aisle of the store and she's coming around the other aisle, like a hundred and some feet away. And we're still talking. And, and I was just like, oh, oh. So yeah. So, so I'm like, uh, am I hallucinating this or what? Because it stopped instantly, right? Because it's like you're aware of doing it. Now you can't do it. And then she comes over to me and she's like, how did you get way over here? I was like, no, I've been here. She's like, no, you were over there with me. We've been talking about the last <laughs> 10 minutes. You were telling me about your alien BS last night. And, and I, at that point, I was just like, oh, my God. She wouldn't know what I was hallucinating that we were talking about if it was. So that's real. Like we just had like an across Kmart psychic, you know, telepathic <laughs> link conversation where both of us were completely clueless that we were doing it. And as soon as we're aware that we're doing it, we can't do it anymore. And it, yeah, so they, that kind of crap went on for like a week before it finally faded out. So that also settled the question for me is do I need the do I need the gray present to facilitate telepathy? Apparently not. <clears throat> so that's the thing that they can turn on and leave on. And you know, so I, I I don't know. I got no explanation for that. But a lot of the things that they have explained is actual mechanical process, you know, where where I say, Well, how do you do this? How does that work? And I actually get answers about that. Now, do I believe those answers? Do I believe that I properly understood the answer? I don't know. You know, so it's <laughs> Jim, you, know. you and I gotta just keep going on this Microsoft Word hypothesis. I feel yeah. like we can this can all be boiled down to functionality in Excel and Microsoft Word. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's but but it, yeah. I mean, so that so the whole idea of the '96 thing was, hey, we're checking up on you one last time. Do you want to do this new thing? We're just gonna like traumatize the hell out of you by just letting you remember that we exist and see how you deal with it. And we're gonna leave your telepathy switch flipped on so you continue to prove to yourself over the next week that this went on because you're gonna do it with random people. And, and it was and like. It, and this is totally different than how you might have processed it as an elementary school student. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what's. Yeah. And, and then again, like now that I'm, you know, 25 years down the road from that one, I completely process it com very differently now. Right. Because it's like, well, they showed up again. And then the next day I'm like, 
hey that so that was cool you know it just doesn't it doesn't freak me out like what it did right because back then it was just like the curtain fell down and i could see you know i could see like uh the universe isn't real <laughs> yeah right well, like me... reality is not oh no and now i'm just like yeah whatever yeah and and we could you know nathan and i and debs can can do that pretty well because we're not experiencing it but all bets are off man if i'd gone through what you guys have been through um david was it different the next day Uh oh, he's in there. I hope he has a. I hope he has like a sort of a memory foam pad because that the inside oh, of that sort of drainage pipe looks a little uncomfortable. So I hope that you. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. I'm did, down did in the you... sewer. Me and the Ninja Turtles. Where's <laughs> <laughs> that little rat guy? All right, yeah. sea change though. The next day, David. After uh, the first. Yeah, uh, I. I mean, I don't recall an encounter when I was young. To Cheryl's point, I remember being weird. Like I've always just been like, "What's wrong with him?" <laughs> uh, but always, but also just like really uh, good at whatever I was applying myself to. So I fit in that way. But every other way about me was like, you know, neurodivergent. Uh, so, but I don't recall any experiences as a kid. I had some scary experiences uh, involving like gremlin type things but that was from the movie that wasn't from uh ufo stuff so when the ufo stuff really came on me uh like when the beings were in my house and physically in front of me yes i mean i'm still not okay right i don't i don't think uh i'll ever come back from that unless there's full disclosure and everyone gets a taste of my experience you know maybe then but like i just i i feel so unless i'm with like my own kind i just feel so uh alienated for a lack of a better term <laughs> <laughs> that was, nathan are you gonna get a better pun than that this evening it's, uh, it's fantastic <laughs> all right yes. get away nathan yeah I'll try. So all of this has been uh, just really fascinating conversation. And, uh, you know, your experience, each of your experiences share some things in common, but there are definitely some differences. So uh, I'm curious uh, what questions you have for each other. And so uh, I want to start with, um, with David, we were just with us, but I wonder if you have a, do you have a question that you'd like the other experiencers to touch on? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I also have seen the discs. I saw two of them. Uh, so I'm right there with you guys as far as just being like, there that is. Um, but as far as the tall gray goes, um, you know, intention is, is my big thing. Like, that's where I am in this kind of like, what's their intention? And I've kind of settled on them at the very least being impartial. Well, I just faded out. Sorry, I blurred the camera. Uh, Mick, I know that was Mick that just did that. Mick, did you put a spirit in front of him? Mick no. from the UK is here, and he he has a habit of calling. All right, go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, it's fine. I thought it was I'll... Mick West. You're going to turn him into a no. <laughs> Mick in the chat, Nicholas. You guess no, it's fine. I'm in a dark room and and okay. the cameras having a hard time finding me, but that's okay. So anyway. Um, yeah, the intention of the tall gray, uh, you can pop it over to Jim real quick. 
my impression, my wife was the one that encountered the tall gray. I encountered the small ones and they were, um, the small ones were very, uh, instinctual, like had the intellect of a human, but the instinct of an animal and no emotion and like employees. And then the big one seems, uh, hostile by definition means unfriendly. And so that was our impression. Like, it's not a good thing. It's all business and the business might be their business and not ours. Uh, so did you have any kind of, uh, indication of, of, uh, intent? Because it sounded to me, Jim, like they, uh, were kind of messing with you a little bit, like just to mess with you. Not, not so much mess with me. I mean, okay. So the tone of it is kind of like, uh, surprise house call from your physician in the middle of the night right it's like a respectful thing although when, when they take that that like contentment blanket thing off of you uh which because i asked right i was like what is this that you're doing and how do you do that and right and it was just like well it's for your protection and uh, and me right and then you won't have any instinctive reactions whatever and it's like well could you could you show me and he's like well it'll be super unpleasant and just for a moment but yeah and he turned it off and i had like just a i i just felt like raw panic right my body chemistry changed instantly and every and then it put it back on and then i felt all that drain out you know it was uh like a split second panic attack right and i was like oh okay yeah that's pretty real don't do that again mm -hmm. um you know but but it's in, in that moment, it's like, well, you go from feeling like you're, you, you know, your doctor's there and you want to just have a conversation about like, okay, let's do the business, right? Like, th this is how it is, you know, question and answer thing. And then whenever that's gone, then you realize like, oh, well, I'm in sort of a prey situation because this thing could do anything it wants. And, you know, so it's like you go from like talking to your doctor to like, there's a grizzly bear in my room and it could just shred me and then it's back to like oh it's my doctor right so so it's it's uh you get perspective really fast on that so i i think if there was any hostile intent it, you know i wouldn't be here kind of thing um but it it's uh yeah you just you just realize you're not top of the food chain and it's very very disturbing at that point um but as far as like hostile intent no they've they've been nothing but like friendly like trying to be non-traumatic i would say is what it is it's like a compassion thing um and th and i had asked you know well why do some people have these traumatic abduction things and and yet you guys seem to treat me so well and you know we got into that um it's too long for right now but it's there's j just like with humans there are opinions in them right of how things should be conducted and some people have a very different opinion about what minimal interaction is and you know so it's like well if you if you catch and tag a wild animal is that traumatic to the animal probably yes well if you make friends with it first and then you know whatever and then you put it to sleep and then you tag it you know then it doesn't remember and it's not traumatized by it and it's like well that's too much interaction right so yeah there, there's just there they also much like us have a, a uh, kaleidoscope of different opinions not you know it's not a monoculture where oh we all universally believe one thing and we all our procedures are the same now 
So right, right along this line of what we're talking about, I gend up a question for upcoming guest Vinny Adams. Disclosure team is coming on, and subsequent to that, we're also going to have the Disclosure ladies on and see what's going on with that new program. But I, I thought of a question right along this line, and the reason because I wanted to ask this to Vinny, and I'm not going to I'm not going to give it up now, Vinny. So don't look for it, but. Um, it is because a non-experiencer that they're, let's say, well, that's all I'm going to say. It, interaction, and if you're a non-experiencer, and if you could craft a certain aspect of it, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. But, um, but yeah, it, it's a, that was a great, a great question and a great answer. Um, who's it going to next? Is it going to Sherilyn, or where are we going, Deb, Money? I think Deb has something that she wanted to yeah. interject. So Deb's in Wednesday. Yeah. So I, I have to admit that I think you guys touched on this a little bit. There's this impression of like intent, right? Um, and sometimes it might be that there's different agendas going on. But I wondered if you wanted to talk about whether or not you think part of their agenda is to prepare us and maybe they're practicing with certain people for eventual full disclosure. Great question. Uh, who do you want to hear from first on that? Um, All right, Cheryl. It's your person hand. waving. Go, go with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this entity that you know gave me the binary code—that's that, what they're telling me. They're going, we're, "We're preparing you that you need to have this information." And I, you know, I kept saying, "What? What does it mean?" And and I've tried to write it down. I can only see it when I close my eyes, but I tried writing it down and it, it's not look like what I was seeing, but it's like, I'm not supposed to write it down. It's just supposed to be part of me now, but they did tell me it's, it's to prepare for the future that I've been chosen you know, as somebody to get this. You should write a book with that title. I should. Yeah. <laughs> author Sherilyn Carter, author of the chosen, check it out. Amazon. <laughs> Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Debs, no. Yeah, I just Did, wanted. Does anyone else? Oh, want David, to say? David, David's waving. Dave's got one. I've got. Yeah. One. Okay, um, please, and then Jim. Okay, so Deb, can you repeat your question real quick? It essentially had to do with like, are these beings preparing us in some way for disclosure? Right. So they might not all be doing it in a polite manner, obviously, and they might have different agendas. But do you think ultimately the agenda is? basically like this right now is a test period and they're trying to prepare for humanity is going to do when it's just full disclosure time. Yeah. I, I have a, a couple of things I want to touch on is uh, back to what Jim said earlier in the communication I had with them. I asked like, are you doing this to my children? Yes. And this was not with the grays. It was with either orbs or craft, but the grays were in the house and I can only assume they're associated. Um, and then I asked if it was happening to the child in utero. Yes. Was it happening to my wife? Yes. And they said, but it's okay. Nobody was going to be hurt and nobody would remember anything if they chose not to. And it's necessary. And it's for a greater purpose that you can't fully understand. And if we told you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, but you know, it had to be done. And so previously they had kind of given me a spiel about, my free will in regards to spirituality, but then my free will was suddenly not mattering 
when it came to me asking them to stop. So whatever they're doing was more important than my will for them to not do it anymore because it was uh, very stressful for everybody. So, I mean, if, if I had communication and I think I did, and they're telling me the truth, it is a preparatory thing. It, it was to make us stronger and healthier. And also in the case of some kind of like apocalyptic event, it was to prepare for that. It was to be able to take us with them somewhere. Now, I don't know if I 100% believe what they're saying, uh, but definitely the message came through that it was a preparatory thing and it was long running. Uh, and their words and their actions don't quite line up. Uh, in, in practice, it's a lot more kind of just like business, business, business. And I guess I agreed or I wanted to see it and experience it to be like, oh my God, this is actually happening. You know, I, I did, I guess, but nobody else did. Uh, but yeah, I think they're preparing for something, something big. David, if you had to put a percent real quick before we go to Jim, David, if you had to put a percentage on your belief in the veracity of what they're telling you, what would you put that percentage at? 80% truth and 20% manipulation. And the 20% manipulation is just to keep me from harming them, myself, or somebody else in the fallout from having my reality shattered. But I, I think they're telling the truth, but they, I think they're serving themselves as well. I, I think the abduction thing is multifaceted. I don't think it's just the tall grays doing whatever they're doing to people. I think it's, it's several beings and, and the idea of like a, uh, I don't want to say war, but some kind of like tension or contention between various races. I, I feel that that is going on. Uh, so sometimes it was confusing as to exactly who you were talking to, but, uh, some of it is 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 manipulation, in my opinion. Nathan, the hundreds of experiencers you've heard from eighty twenty. Yeah, I think. Well, it seems like it does go through a, some stages, right? There's uh, stages of like understanding it, and um, I mean, they've all talked about it, right? I don't want to put words in their mouths, but it sounds like as time has gone on, and you've each wrestled with your experience, you, you're you're coming at it from a, a different perspective. It's, it's changing over time. Um, but we certainly don't have the whole picture and that seems to be very consistent. I think that that's probably safe to say, we don't know the whole picture in terms of what's going on with these interactions. I think he's gone more than 20%. <laughs> Manipulation. Hey, we don't have all the answers because they're not giving all the answers. Mm -hmm. They are holding the cards, whoever they are, whether it's the tall grays or the reptiles or the light beings or the mantids or whatever we're dealing with, they're holding the cards and we are like being stunted for, for whatever reason, like we're not being let in on the full picture. And then when you get people who have like very fluid communication, it's conflicting messages. Uh, so I just want to say the shadow people feel really left out right now. I'm just kidding. Jim, uh, your, yeah. Jim, your turn for this question. Then what we're going to do, we have Julie in the chat that has a question in all caps. It's in star right there for you guys. We're going to get her question after. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the the stance, at, at least in my interactions, has has been, you know, I'll, I'll ask questions and then I get uh, various methods of answer delivery, right? But one of the things is uh, there there's telepathy where I can just like I'm talking to you now, right? It's like a verbal component. Although there's there's a thing where it's just like, well, here, let me just back up the truck and dump this understanding on you. And then you immediately have like a like a familiarity with what, you know, and it's it's as quick as you can think what you're going to ask a question about. And then it's just like, well, duh, I know all about that. Mm -hmm. And then it's gone. And it's like, well, I, I did. Right. For for a moment there, it was just like, OK, well, I don't have a question about that anymore, though. I don't recall exact detail, but I, I had a comprehensive understanding of everything that I wanted to know and how how you do that to me. I don't know. <laughs> right. But it but it's uh, whenever that whenever they're gone, then there's like a hole there where it's like I, I had the knowledge. It's shaped like this, but it's it's a place where it was, not where it is. Right. And I didn't retain. Right. Because the source of it was not me. So I, I have nothing to retain. But uh, as far as lying, though, it is like, well, can, if I'm going to construct a lie. Right. It's easier to do verbally rather than have like a holistic knowledge of a whole topic. Right. And then drop that as a lie comprehensive on somebody. So. The things that were like conceptual dumps, I would say, yeah, that's pretty true. Um, and then there were things that I would want to know that there just was no answer, right? Or it's like, I don't know because that's not my job. And you know, it's it's like I'm I'm the guy that works with people like you. I'm not the guy that you know runs the alien base somewhere. So I don't even know where that is. No, you know that that kind of thing. So it's just like, well, you're asking something out of my wheelhouse. I got nothing. So it, it, it made me feel more that they were being honest because I could find the limits of their information be, because, you know, it's just like, well, I don't know, um, but, you know, you could find out. The the other thing was uh, very much a trust but verify, right, is like uh, if I tell you things like go go figure it out, like prove that prove that this is real. Right. And that's part of the work that had to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, some of it could be targeted like uh, I started to wonder if because the, it, at the time it was like, OK, well, they come and they want to know things and they want to observe memories of mine and then ask questions about it. And that's kind of an interesting process for another day. But they can fish around in your head somehow and reconstruct memories out and then you watch it with them you know it's like whenever people say oh my life passed before my eyes right mm -hmm. well they can extract things and be like hey let's watch some of your some of your moments right and then i'm going to ask questions about what was going on why did you feel that way right there was a lot of emotional uh things to it and i kind of got the sense like their emotional range is different than ours but they can experience our uh our feelings and stuff by like reliving these memories as an observer, you know, ride shotgun on recall. And that was kind of the mission statement was like, we're trying to understand you and build the ability to have a conversation. And we are so in, in values and 
structure and just everything about us, we are very alien to you. So in order to have a conversation, we have to understand what makes you tick, what your values are and that. Um, so we're coming to you with that. But if you talk to a normal one of us who is not a, a contact ambassador or whatever, right, that comes and deals with humans, then that normal person of my species would be absolutely terrified at how alien you are. But because sure. I've been doing this for a long time, it's like I'm one foot in each camp, right? Um, and they and had explained uh, about how they're actually sort of quarantined from the rest of their people, right? Because also they're steeped in human nonsense. And do you want those concepts to get fed back? Into Infecting. Your, yeah, right? So, so it... it yeah, it, it was, I kind of expressed like, well, I'm kind of sad that you're in that position. And he was like, oh, no, don't be. This is my job. That's what I do. I volunteered for it. Like, I'm I'm made for this. So, yeah. Um, you you know, it, what's fascinating, Jim, is there's a mystery around why you were left to be for 20 years. There's a right. mystery as to why Cheryl was given those numbers and not given any idea what they mean or what she was to do with them. But in due course, she would make sense of them. Mm. as to why David had this contact and then was able to, when he thought he couldn't get rid of the contact, he did. Right. And it's, there's three, there's three really, really interesting mysteries here. And yeah, so um, there's, there's a thing yeah. about this, right. That at some point, like in the, in the 20 years of time between the contact happening and then when they came back to like seal the deal and close up, you know, the loose ends. So in that time, it, it started out, I thought, well, they're coming and they're trying to like build a basis for conversation and ask me about emotional things and how humans tick and whatever. Explain why humans like one thing that that stands out is anthropomorphization of objects right like if you if you're a kid and you had a teddy bear and you have an emotional investment like some people as adults still keep that teddy bear around and you know it's a physical thing but it it's like oh well you know my my when you're a kid you're like oh my toy will be sad because i haven't played with it it doesn't have emotions right but we we project that and that's sort of our our human the empathic wiring that we have where we will project that on external things. Um, so it's, it's, there's a couple of things about that. First off is, are we projecting human intention and emotion and whatever on these aliens that of course don't we are. have it? <laughs> right. So, and then the other part of it is, you know, and, and I'm wondering, like, are they asking me questions because they actually want to know? Or are they asking me questions because they want me to process the answer to the question for myself? Is it a tutelary experience? And we're going to come and we're going to charge you with all these questions and let you stew for 20 years. And then on the far side of that, how far did you get with it? Like, did you did you wake up, right? Because back then when I was like 26, I, I was very, very different person. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm spiritual in the least right now, but I'm a little more open to the, to the woo thing. Uh, I would hope so. Yeah. You, yeah. All right. So look, yeah. we've got about 18 minutes left and we've got, uh, we've got uh, questions uh, from us. We've got questions for you from one another and we've got to get Nathan to read Julie's question. Cause you know what? 
If Julie quits as a chat master, we got nobody. Money. Exactly. Uh, all right. So let's see. Julie uh, asks, have the experiencers had physical effects from proximity to the phenomenon? Dave, let's go with you first on that one. Yes. Uh, I think I actually, uh, I met Julie one time and she showed me her divot pretty large and I've got one in my shin and I've got some scars on the back of my calf. And there were, I mean, it's hard for me to rattle it off off the top of my head, but yes, like whatever it was that came in the house, in the bedroom multiple times, left marks on both of us and on my son um, uh, and in the yard. Uh, it, it was there. There was a physical presence there. And even the gray that I saw, like when it uh, manifested, there was a shadow under his cheekbone, like the light that was shining down from above it. You know, it, it was very much there in the physical space. So they they're doing something. I, I don't think it's just purely spiritual, ethereal kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's there's physical after effects for sure. Sure. Mm. I do have like a little divot on my one leg and there's also a spot on, on my other leg where there's like three dots in a triangle shape. It's just been there forever. I don't know. I just woke up with it one morning. There it was. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I've heard that before, the the, the dot thing. That's a common. Yeah. It's kind of cool looking at <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like a tattoo in a way. Uh, all right, Jim, what, what about you? Um, potentially one thing. It's like on my back. Doctor called it out. He's like, oh, what's that? And and it was just like, oh, yeah, I've had that since I was a kid, whatever. But um, I, I I don't know. I don't think so. I It wasn't like immediately after an encounter thing. But it's like I do have like a weird scoop mark. <laughs> so, but I don't remember getting it. So that's what it is. Um, so there's something no. else here. Deb, you said that you had a... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, Deb says one. Yeah, and then we get... Oh, no, I was just going to talk about what was said earlier about human emotions and the mistake we make about applying that to essentially it could be a different species. As I think people forget that human emotions really have been identified as being part of our brain structure like they're connected to different parts of our brain and if another being has a different brain then it may not have those emotions it may not be able to express them if they have different muscles in their face you know i think it's a mistake to assume that there are no emotions and i think a lot of people make that mistake but just because they have different muscles and potentially a different brain, that would indicate to me potentially a very different way of viewing life. So that was what I wanted to chime in on. Yeah, that's a great call out. Uh, and it, it really kind of gets to this idea that many of you have shared that there's this almost like a project at work to try to bridge the gap between where we are and where they are, that, that it's a, a multi-generational uh mission in a way ambassador kind of ship in a way to, to to prepare humanity for whatever this you know larger contact may be um the 
the question that I wanted you guys to bounce around, we haven't touched on this at all yet, but I really did want to get your thoughts on it. And that's, uh, and I know this may be a sensitive topic, but, you know, what are your emotions and feelings and thoughts observing where the public conversation is about this right now? Uh, and David, I know you've, you've, you've posted a lot about this, so I want you to, to take a swing at this one first. Um, I think it requires, you know, people like us in this situation, um, or in these types of situations, we are like at the, if there was an end goal, we're at the end goal. I, I don't know how much further down you could get, um, unless you're inside of these programs and actually have more knowledge because you have gotten these beings in some kind of confined area and gotten answers out of them or have studied the actual science behind, you know, psi abilities and things like that. Maybe that's further along than where we are. And way back here is people still kind of going like, are we sure this isn't Chinese balloons? And mm -hmm. so, and, and then a lot of these politicians and um, the, you know, the back and forth between people who want disclosure and then people who are kind of, hamstrung by their military industrial complex and aerospace industry no offense dj like affiliations like they can't they're just like it's super frustrating like it's it's infuriating it's gotten to a point now where i'm realizing that either it's going to come like all of a sudden like they're going to have another hearing and actually show that 23 minute video and just blow everybody's doors off or this is going to take like five ten years and maybe we'll get more blurry videos and it's just <laughs> the the conversation we're having now 80 again with that 80 20 pareto principle 80 percent of the people involved in ufology are not even ready to accept the fact that like i had an alien in front of me and I communicated with an orb and with a craft and these beings were like entering our minds and telling us all this stuff, you know, 80% of the people on UFO Twitter and ufology, they're not even ready for that. Right. And, and so <laughs> it, it, it really is incredibly frustrating. So I kind of right now, I'm here and I'm talking about this. And in the future, I talked to DJ about like doing a, uh, a podcast for experiencers, um, you know, to try to kind of help push that forward a little bit. And I just switched gears between advocating, but I can no longer feign excitement about another something that could might maybe be a balloon and let, you know, the debunkers have a field day with it. I, it's, and, and everybody keeps saying it's not a slow drip. You know, Chris Mellon said it. Uh, Grush has said it. They're like, there's no plan. There's no slow drip. I'm like, then what are we doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll just stop there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just want to say, David, real quick, is that um, in terms of aerospace and military and military industrial complex, the people that are here to really kind of talk about this and, and hear others and try to figure out what's going on, we're all here. You know, uh, Bob Pliskin is here. I'm here. Elizondo, you know, Richard Butt. Uh, yeah, and I'm not, you know, putting me in some sort of category like I'm on their level, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, Jim Semivan and his colleague Ramirez. Uh, Jim, uh, here, there's tons of people here that are from the industry. Scott Gearin, you know what I mean? I mean, there's tons of us that we're all here for people want to put us in separate camps and say, 
these people are the liars. These people are the ones that are telling the truth. These are the people who care. These are the people who don't, you know, we're, we're all here like everybody else trying to, to engage in conversation and figure it out. And, and, and so, the last thing, last thing I'll say is like, and I appreciate that. And for people like that, that everybody just mentioned, I am getting confirmation disclosure because I'm opening up about my experiences. And these people are even telling me, people like John Ramirez, like, oh, the green mist, me too. And it's just like, so I'm getting confirmation disclosure. I've had disclosure. It's real. It's happening. It's aliens. Some of them are not good. Some of them are, there's a lot going on. But like everybody else, they need proof. And until they get it, I'm still going to be odd man out. And you know what I mean? Yep. I know. I totally understand. You're, uh, but you're, you're really not odd man out, though. You're odd man in in our group. So just keep that in mind. Second of all, I just want to say we have a hard out in nine minutes. So we have to tighten up our answers. And we have uh, Nathan's going to read at least one more question. And by the way, hello to Bob Marley. I'm so glad that you're safe and sound in Ireland. We'll have to have you join us sometime. Uh, go ahead, uh, uh, please. Next person for Nathan's question. Are you going to read this now, Nathan? Go ahead, really. Oh, sorry. I don't know which, where you wanted to go with it. Um, no, I do want to hear from the others. So, okay, uh, yeah. And then we'll, either way, we'll get them done. Yeah. Yep. Shirley, your, your feelings on where we are in the public conversation right now? Well, I, I said there, there's all these people looking up in the sky for things, and we're, we're actually talking to the aliens. We're experiencing, we're, we're learning from them. And I'm not interested in looking up in the sky and seeing things when I got something right in front of me. And I think that we need, you know, people like us need to talk more about it because, yeah, you might meet somebody down the street and start talking about it and they go, oh, that happened to me too. I, I'm not crazy, you know, because a lot of people think they're crazy, that they're the only ones, like something this is happening to. And we need to share this. And this is our disclosure. Not the government. The government probably doesn't even have any inkling what it would be like to talk to one of these entities because it's never happened to them. Yeah. So we're the ones that need to bring out this disclosure. Yeah, and we've heard so many stories too about how they are really trying to seek out experiencers because they're not they're not having the conversations. Experiencers are trying to understand what what these beings are doing. Mm -hmm. They have to go out and, and have those conversations. And I, I want to echo something you just said as well, and that's that the the number of contact experiences is probably much greater than we think. Uh, you know, just in casual conversation in my own just regular life. I've brought it up a few times and people have said, yeah, I've had, I see them. Ooh. I mean, I just completely, I wasn't prepared for that, but that, I think that that happens a lot more than, than we realize. So I, I'm, um, I'm a MUFON member and people should go join MUFON, go, go to a MUFON meeting and you'll, you'll find out that you're not alone and that a MUFON meeting is the best place to go because you can talk to people about things that happen and nobody judges you. Like you go out in the general population and try to talk about this stuff, but yeah, there, can, I, can I jump in? Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Jim, okay. go ahead. So, because I wonder about how much of this, like I, I said, like I started to suspect that it was not for their gain, but tutelary, right? We're we're gonna we're gonna craft a situation to make you arrive at conclusions, um, but I think that there's a lot of whataboutism that is inspired here because the ETs do leave it so loose and up for interpretation and they don't give people often a direct answer. Right. So it's like, it's more like, well, figure it out. Right. We gave you the experience. Now let's see what you, what you end up with. Where do you arrive in this? 
the problem is that based on people's life experiences and the just their backgrounds and what they're willing to accept, a lot of people arrive at very different conclusions from the very similar stimulus. So that creates a lot of conflict. Um, and then we also have, you know, some people that are so desperate for the sensationalism part of it that if, you know, you look on UFO Twitter, please don't. Uh, but if you look <laughs> on UFO Twitter, right, you lose all hope for humanity because it's just like, oh, my God. You know, it's like if the aliens read UFO Twitter, they'd just burn us down tomorrow. And, <laughs> but but it's but it's the thing there, too, of like we have some people that come at it in a spiritual way. Some people, you know, it's 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 the what about ism. It's like, well, what if they're interdimensional? What if they're this? What if they're that? What if it's spirit guides? What if it's uh something it's it's like us from the future right and you can ask that question to them they will not give you an answer you'll get a blank stare right <laughs> it's, it's just like no figure it out right and i and i think that that's probably part of the experience that they want humanity to have is figuring it out uh hmm. unfortunately it causes a lot of conflict <laughs> trying to figure it out because because that you know that's that's our thing um, but everybody finds their truth, not the truth. And I, and I think, like, maybe that's the thing is we need to start looking for the truth, not my truth, and be flexible yet inflexible about what nonsense is out there. Because, uh, you know, or or I could start a UFO religion and get rich. I don't know. <laughs> anybody wants to... we'll dress you up like Reverend Moon. Yeah. But it's, well, I, I just I just find it very discouraging. The 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 grush thing is great, but then the grush thing was like a big balloon, pardon the pun, but it was like a big balloon went up and then and then it's gone. So we're in the gap, right? We're in the post grush gap where now we get like the whole Mexico thing was a farce, right? And uh, I, I, I yeah that that whole thing it it's just like there. It's like we had a great thing, and now we're going to have a bunch of attention grab uh, nonsense that's that's really discouraging until the you next know, big thing happens. And I've just given up on waiting on the next big thing. It's just like you know, I know what I know, and I know what I don't know, and that's the scary part. Once you once you understand what you don't know, then it's like, oh no. Hey, <laughs> okay. hey, Jim. I just want yeah. to say it'll make you feel a little bit better. I spoke with uh, Richard Budd about this. And I presented the Mike Turner dilemma, who's the, you know, the congressman from your home state who's said there won't be more hearings on this and it, it'll embarrass the DOD. He said, you know what? He said, I'm not worried about Mike Turner. One guy on one committee is, A, he's not going to be there forever, and B, just one guy's not going to stop this thing. He's well, not going to. So well, just, they're just worried, you know. They're worried about what's happening in the public eye. But those right. of us that know what's going on behind the curtain, it's already done. They just haven't told us. So it's just, you know, I'm just waiting on that to come out because it's already a done deal on some of it. And then the rest of it has to wait for public dissemination of what really went on. So, yeah, there will be more. You know, Ramirez has assured us Uh, we all we got about two minutes left. Uh, I want to say one thing to Cable Guy about this. This one right here. It kind of struck me. Uh, what you're saying about that. Uh, when I saw one of these shows about uh, uh, this young man from Alaska digging for gold and he went down 
into this beautiful area in South America. I can't remember if it was Peru or something. And the way that they were just destroying this natural beauty to find a couple of ounces of gold is like the most absurd thing I could possibly imagine. That Did you, you have would... a jetpack on? No, I mean, they were literally, I mean, just literally strip mining these little canyons and valleys over, oh my God, they're out of a pan and they got a couple of ounces of gold. You go, really, was, was that worth it? To destroy this entire hillside, but yeah, that's just that's the way our society values something so stupid like that. Anyway, um, money. Are we yeah. at? We have a hard out. I think we ha- yeah we are at time, and I, I we couldn't okay. get to everybody's question, but I really appreciate them. Uh, I also very much appreciate everybody that took some time and, and joined us this evening. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, each of you brought something incredibly valuable. I, I'm just grateful to be here and listening to to your experiences and uh you know it's it takes a lot of courage to share what you've gone through and uh it comes out to me that you're wrestling with what it means you're not coming to these kind of quick conclusions and uh i think that that says a lot about who you are and the journey that that you've been on so uh i i want to say thanks for for myself personally but i know we also want to do some other cabbie goodbyes so so deb uh, i want to pass it to you Right. You know, I had this like revelation when we were talking about sometimes people feel like they're crazy. And I'm like, wait, that's why skeptics exist, because they need someone from the outside to prove for them definitively that they're not crazy because they probably really want to believe underneath it all. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Like they just need the hard proof. So thank you for coming and sharing your experiences. I truly appreciate that. I think it's um great for people to be open and having these conversations it's crucial for other people um, to hear them so that they can feel that they're not crazy and they don't have to become skeptics looking for that (laughs) hard truth thing because they know it right so thank you and uh, before I do my cabbie goodbye I want to give everybody a chance to promote uh, whatever it is they're doing if it's even if it's only their Twitter page but I want to give everybody a chance to promote that. I forgot to do that last time when we had some pretty high-profile shows on um, because of a hard out. So, David, please uh, let everybody know uh, how you'd like them to connect with you, sir. Um, Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm very active on there, and I share a lot of my experiences there. And I have a plan that I'm putting together to start a podcast slash YouTube show called out of the shadows and it's exclusively for experiencers to put their experience on record the way you guys did for me just kind of passing the torch i uh i I just keep running into people who are like chomping at the bits for somebody to hear them and and to get it all out there so nothing's in stone but i'll be doing that hopefully uh before the year's over or next year does does this signal the beginning of the end of cab thing (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, and it's at Monouk, M-U-N-O-O-K yeah. on Twitter if you want, or X, whatever uh, you want to decide to call it. If you want to hook up with David and he's great conversation, uh, not only in person, not only on the phone, but also on Twitter and in spaces. Uh, Jim, the alien pickle. Yeah, it's uh, it's only fans slash alien pickle. No. <laughs> I got I got nothing. I, I'm I'm kind of on 
I'm kind of on Twitter as the Alien Pickle, uh, although a lot less now than I had been. It's just I, I I've got to the point where I don't leave a lot of presence on there because you know after somebody's got the message, then I can just delete it. Because if I leave things lay around, then they just get brought back up later, not to my advantage. So I, I keep it kind of cleaned out. But um, but if you send me a DM on there or whatever, just ping me and say, hey, you know, send me a DM. Oh, yeah, we can talk. Um, but that's pretty much it. I don't have uh, I don't have a UFO religion or a, a book, although yeah. I, sh- I, I should get a book and just name it by my book. Nathan's yeah. been to se- a seminary. He can help you uh, with the start your own religion. I'm sure. You can. <laughs> Excellent. And, and there's a small, only a small consulting. <laughs> the, the dudes yeah. Miss, yeah. <laughs> Miss Sherilyn Kata. Well, I'm on Twitter and I'm also a writer. I've written eight books. Already. Here's my new one. Chosen. This cute little alien on there. And it, it's about, um, it's some, some stories that you've probably heard before. It's about alien encounters and abductions. Real ones. Yeah, you, you know, uh, they once asked a uh, pro football player, what's your book about? He said, it's about 1695 at your local bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> that could be answered next time. No, well, just kidding. On Amazon, or you, if you want a signed copy, you can message me on Facebook, too. I have some here. Thank you so much. You're, you're just so nice and so sweet. It was a pleasure to speak with you on the phone and meet you. And I'm, I, I'm wondering, you're the only one on the panel that knows what kind, if there's any chocolate mints or anything in Brandon Fugel's office. I mean, you would be the only one of us that would know. Oh, he's got, he's got such cute stuff in there. I've, I saw all his <laughs> movie memorabilia. He took me around and showed me everything. It's so really uh, cool. He opened up the closet where he's got all his first edition books. Oh, yeah. That rocks. You totally, you totally deserve it, Cheryl. He was <laughs> so. like, he was like, a, like a little kid showing me all his stuff. <laughs> it, it, he just seems like such a, a genuine person. After yeah. seeing that Sean Ryan interview, I just couldn't have been he, he any has, more yeah. impressed. Um, it, it was so, like, it was like he kept. It was like he was so excited to meet me that day, and I'm going, really. <laughs> that uh, shows what a special person are we. See, yeah. we choose our guests well here on Cab. Uh, I want to thank all three of you for. Uh, sharing your experiences with us, opening up uh, and telling us about what happened to you, how uh, you, it made you feel, um, what you think happened. And again, we have these three great mysteries amongst the three of your um, experiences that are quite different that will probably last us a lifetime. So uh, thank you so much for sharing with us. We will uh, see you again, and most likely we'll see you at the uh, cab holiday party. Uh, invitations will be going out sometime during this holiday season. So thank you, everybody. On behalf of uh, David and Cheryl and Jim and Debs and Money Nate Thong, this is DJ saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road, and we're always wondering what's up around the bend. <laughs>